each of you today here in person and online. I'm going to go ahead and just dive right in. Last week, we were talking about resilience, uh, patiently enduring, as Paul calls us to do in times of uh, the storm, um, but also just in the pressures in this world. And so I, when we were talking about this last week, to be honest, moving into Sunday, uh, we had not really planned to make this a two-part series. Uh, but as I shared last week, of course, I had a little more information or content um, than for just one Sunday. And moving out of Sunday, decided to go ahead and bring it another piece to it this week. And as I was praying over uh, this message and I'm looking at the content that I had, I realized, you know, I had a little more content than what I could do last Sunday. And yet I didn't really have... Um, enough content to do a full sermon or a full message. And so just going before the Lord and asking the Lord, okay, God, you know, I really feel like we need to kind of continue this thought um, through the next Sunday, but what do you want me to say? What are what does our community specifically need to hear and be encouraged when it comes to this concept of resilience and endurance? And he led me to um, pass a scripture that was already in the message last week that I didn't actually get to. It's in Romans uh, chapter 12, very familiar um, passage of scripture. And uh, so we're going to break that passage a little more deeply than what I had originally had in, in my original message and kind of walk through that. And I just felt like, uh, to be honest and transparent, I felt like the Lord really uh, challenged me um, in this passage for myself, for my own life right now. Um, but I really felt like it was something that our community specifically needed to hear. And so um, I pray that as I'm sharing this morning that the Holy Spirit would speak to you in a way that my limitations cannot, um, in a way that my imperfect, imperfect voice um, cannot, the Holy Spirit uh, can speak to you. It's not by my resource or by my strength, but it's by the, the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we're going to dive right in. Before I get to that passage, I just want to give a little bit of a summary of what we talked about last week for those that may have not been here um, or were able to tune into the message. We talked about that deep roots grow healthy fruit, and that's really what allows us to develop endurance and resilience in the pressures of this life and in the storm, and that our ability to to endure and stand firm will actually be reflected in the ways that we maintain connection to God and connection to others in the pressures of life. And not only connection to God and connection to others, but it will be reflected in the way that we remain connected to ourselves. Actually, there's so many times in, uh, you know, seasons of stress and fear and worry, anxiety, as we talked about last week, that we actually may find ourselves becoming disconnected from God, disconnected from other people, and disconnected from ourselves, in fact. And so really, when that begins to happen, that needs to be a signal to us that we have some endurance building that needs to uh, start happening in, in that time, some uh, kind of growing in resilience. Because when we are uh, growing in resilience, when we are deeply rooted, as we talked about last week, then we will be able to maintain those connections um, with God, with others, and with ourselves, And so last Sunday, we drew from the imagery of two different types of roots. We were looking at the root system of a tree. And one of the things that I mentioned was that there's two particular types of root uh, roots in a tree. Um, there's many different types of roots, but two particular ones that are co uh, often found common in most trees. And that is the, the uh, lateral roots and then also 
excuse me, the lateral roots and then also the top root. And so the top roots grow down vertically uh, deep into the soil and then the lateral roots grow out. And I talked about how they will intertwine or interconnect with the roots around them. And so basically um, what that's really looking at in the tree system, the tree system is not just relying on, upon the roots itself, but the tree system, a healthy tree, is also relying on the root systems of the other trees around them. And so... We talked about how the roots feed and grow off of healthy soil, healthy nutrients, a healthy environment, and that much the same way, we as God's creation, as humanity, also need a deeply rooted system that is also growing, yes, between ourselves and God individually, but is growing between ourselves and each other. In essence, we need support and accountability. Uh, we need to be growing in not just our relationship and connection with God, but we need to be growing in relationship with one another as well. To be deeply rooted, you need God and you need one another. We talked about this call in scripture to resilience, to patient endurance, and recognizing that this call is directly tied to our pursuit and wholeness in Christ. That our willingness to grow in endurance, but not just grow in endurance, but grow in character and be transformed. One of the passages I read last week, Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5, speaks to this. It says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. We talked about how resilience equals patient endurance. That's what Paul calls this idea of resilience in Scripture. And that equals wholeness and completeness. So in other words, you cannot be growing in resilience if you're not growing in your pursuit of wholeness and completeness. We can't live divided and fragmented lives and actually maintain a truth and a true and authentic resilience. So to bring some practical examples, we talked about the impact of fear, anxiety, and stress, and worry. And we talked about how much of our anxiety, fear, and stress actually begins to build in response to our thought life, in response to our emotions and our uh, inability or just our unwillingness to tend to those emotions and build emotional regulation. It builds and fear and anxiety and all of those things will build because of ongoing chronic stress that goes unaddressed. And so when we struggle to overcome and to address these things, we can begin to live in this heightened state of stress and fear. And we talked about how there's these symptoms that, that occur in that, you know, uh, irritability, loss of appetite, eating more than we normally do or should, grabbing at unhealthy coping uh, mechanisms, isolation, lack of focus, lack of motivation, anger. So worry, we, we talked about, and I think this is really important to know, and I'm going to remind you again, that worry, stress, and anxiousness, fear, they are built into our humanity. They do keep us from danger. There's a protection uh, mechanism there that keeps us from putting ourselves in dangerous situations or keeping us motivated to get done what we need to get done. But when we ignore our humanity, um, our visceral experiences as ones who experience pain, fear, disappointment in light of crisis or failure or life's dis difficulties, 
we will begin to learn to force adaptability. And instead of becoming resilient, we never actually address what's happening on the inside of us. So we think we're being tough, but what we really are doing is we're trying to rein it all in and we're trying to keep a lid on it. So we're not really, in fact, becoming resilient. What we're doing is we're actually forcing ourselves to adapt to a heightened state of fear and a heightened state of stress and a heightened state of anxiety because we're ignoring what is happening on the inside of us. And when we live in this heightened state for too long, again, our bodies, they will normalize this state and it's not healthy. And it actually brings devastating consequences, not only to our lives individually, our inner world, but it brings devastating consequences to our relationships as well. And it brings devastating consequences into our ability to connect with God. There is this temptation to find unhealthy ways to cope with the fear, worry, and stress. I mean, it is much easier to reach for something unhealthy than it is to stop and slow down in our world and begin to process and address what is happening on the inside of us. The immense fear that we might be experiencing, the overwhelming disappointment when we've been hurt by a loved one, when we have been, when we've experienced something in our job that affects our finances or affects our, our overall um, concern for the future, it's so much easier to reach for that unhealthy thing to distract us and get us through than it is to actually take the hard way, the hard road, which is to slow down and spend time addressing what's happening on the inside of us. And so we'll put temporary fixes over the overwhelming emotions and the negative thought patterns. But the reality is, and we talked about this last week, is that we can learn techniques to help bring our bodies to a state of calm. We can incorporate meditation of scripture. We can regulate our body and our emotions and learn tools how to do that. We can incorporate times of prayer and journaling, and we can process our fear and our emotions. It's just, are we going to take the wide and easy path, which ends up in unhealthy coping, or are we going to take the narrow path that actually deals with the things that's happening on the inside, that deals and addresses the way our, our past is impacted, our present, and connects us more deeply to God? That's the narrow path and the narrow way. But that narrow path and that narrow way is what builds the deep root roots that we need to be able to continue to endure and endure well in the pressures of this life and in the storm. So we're going to look this week specifically at the call that we have as Christ followers to live anchored and to realize that to endure means to live, move, and think and have our being as ones who belong to Christ and not ones who belong to this world. It's a call to remember that our healthy soil in which our roots are growing is in Christ and Christ alone. It's not in this world and it is not by our own sheer effort either. We have talked about this so much, especially all throughout Ephesians. For 16 weeks, we are called to a new self, a new creation, which means a new way of living, a new way of loving, a new way of thinking, and a new way of relating. Experiencing wholeness from the inside out. But when we dig beneath the layers of stress and worry and fear, we will find that often we're not living in this new way of thinking and this new way of living and relating to others. 
To no longer live as though we belong to the world, but to live as one who belongs to Christ is to remember consciously, intentionally, on a daily, moment-by-moment basis that we are a new creation and that we have been called to see life and see this world and see ourselves, to see God and to see others in a completely different way than the world sees it. To grow in endurance is that we need to learn a new way. So while we need to develop healthy coping skills and healthy strategies, and we need to be intentional about our spiritual disciplines, we need to actually deal with the way that we view ourselves, the way that we view others, and we view this world. Paul explains it in this way, and this is one of the passages that I had last week that I didn't get to, but we're going to break it apart a little bit. In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2, he says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. The question we have to ask ourselves when we read a passage of scripture like this is do we view life through the lens of Christ or are we viewing life through the lens of this world? So first, what Paul is asking us here is calling us, this is he's pleading with us, is a full surrender as an act of worship. Paul's pleading is one of full surrender, not simply of our soul or our spirit of in, the, in this relationship it, through salvation, but it's a call to surrender our bodies as well. Again, he speaks of pursuit of wholeness and completeness. So it's in my body, it's in my mind, it's in my emotions, it's in my soul, in my relationships, every single part of me. All that I have that is within my innermost being and my outermost being is offered perpetually over and over as a living sacrifice, as a surrender to my God, as an act of worship, and as a commitment to God. Why? Because we trust him. We trust in him fully that his way and his will and his purposes, his heart for us is good and it's perfect. This is the foundation of growing in Christ Growing healthy roots, a regular ongoing surrender and a trust to the one who created us, the one who saved us, the one who has called us and has given us life. Number two, Paul is saying, be transformed. He's pleading with them, be transformed by conforming to Christ and changing the way you think. Paul's call here is radical, and it's virtually impossible without surrender to Christ as the center and the focus of our lives. It's not immediate as our belonging and our our salvation. It's a journey of lifelong growing and transforming to Christ rather than this world. There's another word that's used often in scripture, repentance, metanoia. It's this idea of often translating to changing the way you think. Now, Paul's not using the word repentance here, but he does use the phrase change the way you think. Our call to repentance and our call to transformation is not this one moment when we come into salvation and we come into relationship with Christ Jesus. It's an ongoing surrender until the day we pass from this life into eternity with God. 
I don't care if you've been a Christian for one month or if you've been a Christian for one day or you've been a Christian for 10 years, 50 years, or 60 years. We all need to hear Paul's pleading call here to be transformed continuously and perpetually by conforming to Christ. It's this idea of renewing rather than renewed. We're not just renewed, it's a renewing that's occurring over and over again. The patterns of this world inherently run through every aspect of who we are. So it's not simply, and this is where we can get it messed up a little bit, a little bit when we just kind of quickly read this passage. This passage is not simply a call to just move away from sinful behavior. Move away from the, the behaviors of this world. The pattern of this world is woven into the fabric of our fallen nature. The fabric of our family system, the fabric of our world systems, and our world structures. It is in everything. And this is why this is a lifelong journey because we will be regularly addressing the ways deep inside of us that we have conformed to the pattern of this world, that we have been consumed by the pattern of this world rather than being consumed by the pattern of Christ. We will regularly be addressing the roots that go into the soil of this world rather than the soil of Christ. Roots that are driven into the soil of this world will weaken over time. They will become filled with disease and they will lack nutrients. What's why we have to address it on a day-to-day basis. That's why it's so important to stay in God's word and to stay in communion with God and to stay in connection with one another for support and accountability. Patterns of this world, again, are beyond sinful behaviors. And I want to just look a few, look at a few of those. We can become consumed by financial concerns. That's the pattern of this world. It's not the pattern of God's kingdom. We can become consumed by political concerns. It's not the pattern of this world. Being consumed by the politi- or, I'm sorry, being consumed by political concerns is being consumed by the pattern of this world. It's not God's kingdom. Being consumed by a need for control, control over our lives, control over this world, control over other people's lives, that's the pattern of this world. It's not the pattern of God's kingdom. Being consumed by earning and achieving, that's the pattern of this world. It's not the pattern of God's kingdom. Being consumed by performance and acceptance of others, please love me, please approve of me, that's the pattern of this world. It's not the pattern of God's kingdom. Being consumed by serving and pleasing others. Being consumed by our own way and our own desires, our own demands for life to be the way that we want it to be. Man, those are the patterns of this world. That's not the pattern of the kingdom of God. Now, I could spend a lot of time talking about what's the pattern of the kingdom of God, The pattern of the kingdom of God is a pouring of one's life out for the sake of Christ and for others. The pattern of the kingdom of God is to store up treasures in heaven, not on earth. The pattern of the kingdom of God is to live selflessly. The pattern of the kingdom of God is to realize that small is actually great in God's kingdom. 
that we don't need to search for belonging and approval and worthiness from anybody else in this world because they'll never be able to give it to us anyways because we are anchored in the only one, the only sovereign one who can give us the belonging and the approval and the worthiness that we so desperately desire. But the patterns of this world are interwoven in the fabric of our fallen nature. They are there And they are rooted there because of the family systems in which we grew up, because of the social systems in which we grew up, and even, yes, the church systems in which we grew up. And so we need this call to surrender, this act of worship that God calls us to over and over again to say, God, show me through the power of your Holy Spirit the moments that I am conforming myself to the pattern of this world, that I have actually found myself stepping out of the way of Christ and stepping out of the way of the kingdom of God into the way of the world. And no wonder I'm sitting here completely overwhelmed in stress and anxiety and fear and worry because my home with Christ, the pattern of kingdom of God is over there and I have came over here. You guys, that's a day-to-day journey. The patterns of this world will lead to selfishness. The patterns of this world will lead to anxiety and chronic stress because the Bible says that we are made to live in this world Yes. So we balance all those concerns. Those are important concerns, but we balance them and we do not become consumed by them because we are called to live in the world and not be of the world. We just can't do things the way that the world does them. We just can't worry about things that the way that the world does. We cannot be consumed by the things that the world is consumed by. It doesn't mean that we live some sort of weird occultic life over here. But it does mean that we are consciously, intentionally, regularly surrendering to the way of Jesus Christ and regularly examining ourselves and allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to us to show us the ways that we have gotten off track, the ways that we have moved into an extreme of, of, of a pattern of this world rather than the pattern of Christ. We balance our need to live in this world, but to not conform to the world In Christ, we need to learn that our greatest longings and our needs are fulfilled first in Jesus. It's that call to contentment that Paul Christ talks about over and over again, that I know what I, I, I have, I, or he says, I know what it is to be in need, but I also know what it is to be content in every situation, in every circumstance to have plenty or to have nothing, to be joyful or to be sorrowful, to be rich or to be poor. To have nothing but have everything. How in the world can in our humanity find peace in that? How in the world in our humanity can we find endurance and resilience and be able to sit in a place in our lives where we look around and we feel like the things that we have worked so hard for and we have endeavored for that we have dreamed about are just lying either in ruins or non-existent? It's because we have found contentment in Christ alone and we recognize that the work that we do here on earth or that what we see in the kingdoms of this world are not lasting as the kingdom of God, the work that we are doing for eternity, the pursuit that we have for eternity. As we transform in Christ, we are learning to conform. We are learning because, again, 
It's inherent in our nature. We have to learn to conform each area of our lives to Christ, each area of our lives to the kingdom of heaven. As we transform, the way that we think and the way that we live changes, and it is being renewed. Not all at once, not all of a sudden. I've been at this thing long enough, this little journey with Christ, to know that it's not all at once, and it is not all of a sudden. And it is not every aspect of our life. It's just, I'm going to put one foot in front of the other every day. I'm going to put one foot in front of the other every day. And I'm going to pursue every day, every day. God, what do you have for me? God, what are you saying to me? What what do you you want me to do in this world? What more do I need to surrender? My counselor used to call it, what are the unsurrendered parts of your soul? Because there's all kinds of unsurrendered parts of your soul. And God, in his grace... And God in his mercy and love will not show you everything that's inside of you that's unsurrendered. It would overwhelm us. So God in his grace and his mercy shows us little bits at a time, unsurrendered parts. But the key here is in every incremental part, what decision are we making? When God shows you through the power of his Holy Spirit an area in your life, that needs to become surrendered, an area where you are searching to belong in the world or searching for acceptance in the the world rather than acceptance in him, what will be your decision in that moment, in that single moment? Not in all the moments following it, but in that one single moment, what will be your decision? To deal with the pain that he's showing you inside of you, to deal with the, the potential harm and wounds that have happened in your life and cause you to search for approval in this world rather than approval from God? Will you take the time to slow down and address that and deal with that? Or will you try to speed on by and reach for something else that will get you through and keep a tight lid on what you're experiencing? It's those incremental decision by decision When we allow Jesus to tend to the most inner places of pain, of frustration, unforgiveness, stress, and more, we will find healing. And we will begin to see our lives transform incrementally. So we learn the pattern of Christ and the purposes of God by reading scripture by spending time in prayer, by being built up in the community of faith, by seeking after, searching after, pursuing after the things of Christ. We utilize the understanding and the truths of how our bodies and our brains and our our minds, our emotions, caring for our souls, integrating the whole of who we are to the way of Christ, the transformation of Christ. If you will allow God God will tend to every part of you, not just your soul, your spirit that believe that everything is spiritual, but we compartmentalize everything. We fragment out everything. But if we allow God, God will attend to every part, our physical health, our emotional health, our mental health, our relational health. And again, he doesn't do it all at once. It's incremental because he knows that we can't manage all of that at one time. But it's up to us, our individual decisions over and over and over again. The world will consume us if we allow it. 
If we are not intentional, if we do not implement discipline into our lives to engage in the way of Christ and the patterns of Christ and the patterns of the kingdom of God, the world will consume us. Consume us with the need to have control. Consume us with the need to achieve and to earn and to perform and to have. And so we must learn to increase resilience, not through the world, but through disciplining ourselves with resilience tools and practices. We talked about some of those last week, talking about them this week. Many times we know exactly the tools that we need to implement. We just choose not to implement them. It's like when you have a uh, exercise machine downstairs and you want to lose weight or you want to get healthy again, and it's sitting downstairs, but you don't walk down there and use it. I have a punching bag, actually, downstairs. That's just what came to my mind. I have a punching bag that I think I've used two times, and then I got in a car accident, and I hurt my shoulder, and I used the excuse for probably a year after that. Well, I got in a car accident. <laughs> and then my, I went through physical therapy, and my shoulder was fine. I could definitely be using that punching bag. But I don't, but it's down there. But I think about it. I have all kinds of resources at my fingertips to do yoga and things like that to help the chronic back pain that I have. And do I utilize them? No, I don't. One step at a time for me. (laughs) But what are those things in your life right now that you know you have the tools? They're sitting in front of you. God has given you the resources, both in the spirit and in the flesh. He's given you resources. And we don't discipline ourselves to access the resources, to just pick up what he's placed in front of us. And then we, like, get frustrated and overwhelmed and stressed and anxious. And we want to push against God and we want to push against other people. And all the while, it's really us. We need to take ownership of the things that we can control and let go of the things that we cannot control. And finally, in that passage of scripture, Paul states that we're going to know God's will, his good and perfect and pleasing will, that as we begin to conform not to this world, but to the kingdom of God, to the pattern of Christ, that we will be transformed by the renewing of our mind, that we will literally learn over and over again how to change the way that we think, what we ruminate on, what we dwell on. And we will change, that will change And then we will begin to have the clarity of mind to know God's good and perfect, pleasing will. We can have the clarity of mind. We want to know God's will. We want to know God's purposes. We want to understand what God is doing in this world. Number one, there's always going to be a mystery about what God is doing in this world. We're not going to always be able to understand it. His ways are not our ways. But there is insight and wisdom and knowledge that God will give us. And yet we can be praying and pleading for it. But if our minds are not changing the way that they think and the way that they see the world and the way that we view God and others and ourselves, then we will not have the clarity of mind, the clarity of spirit and the clarity of heart and clarity of emotion even to be able to see God's good and perfect, pleasing will and to be able to live in it. That ability to live and see and sense God's good will for our lives and purpose. It brings peace. It brings contentment. The kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of Christ is upside down. 
It is radical. It makes no sense. It's probably a little weird. Actually, the Bible says that it is weird to those that don't understand it, to those that are not in relationship with Christ. It makes no sense. But his way and his kingdom is perfect. So we either are going to take on the truth of Christ and walk in the truth of Christ, or we're going to live continuously in this place of, I don't know, maybe I would rather be in the world, maybe I'd rather be in Christ. Maybe I'd rather be in the world, maybe I'd rather be in Christ. An intentional, incremental decision every day. I want to be in Christ. I want to conform to Christ. God, I want to know your way, your purposes, your promises. That's the pursuit I'm in, wholeness and completeness in you, every part of my being, my mind, my will, my emotions. In summary, I want to share five keys to growing and remaining centered. I know that this list is not exhaustive. (laughs) I know that there are so many other important things that we need to understand and we need to learn when it comes to resilience. But think of these things as just a few targets to get started with. Asking ourselves a regular assessing, self-examining, self-reflecting question. How am I doing in this area? Number one, self-awareness. And not just self-awareness for the sake of knowing our, ourselves or for the sake of, you know, having a, a full knowledge of who we are and where we've come from. That's important. But it's the, real, the, the idea of self-awareness in living our true self through our belonging in Christ Jesus. It's a little bit different than the self-awareness or the idea of like self-actualization and Maslow's hierarchy of needs is like, I need to get to this place where I have a full awareness and I'm living to the fullest potential of who I am. We can't do that on our own and we cannot do that without, the, without Christ. Now the world would say you can, but that's the world's solutions. The world's solutions is sheer effort. But God's solution says you're not on your own in this. Living your true self through belonging to Christ. We need to begin to learn how to dismantle with the power of Christ in us through the Holy Spirit. Dismantle all the false ways, all the false, uh, uh, false selves that we have created to cope in this world and survive in this world. We need the power of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit to dismantle all of the false, the masks that we wear to cope in this world. We need the power of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit to dismantle the falseness, the pretense that we live by so that we can live and come into our true self through belonging in Christ Jesus. Number two, spiritual rhythms. We need the word of God. We need prayer. We need communion. We need the faith community. We need Sabbath and rest, and silence, and solitude. We need confession and repentance. We need these spiritual rhythms in our life on a day-to-day basis. We need them. Number three, mindfulness. Living in the present. That would, scripture teaches us all throughout. Jesus taught it all throughout. Be present in the moment. Learning how to, we talked about that a little bit last week, of learning how to move. That's how we kind of bring ourselves from a heightened state of anxiety and stress to a calm state and a a present in the moment. Using our five senses in a moment to bring ourselves back to here, not in the past and not in the future. We spend more time in the past and in the future than we ever do right here in the present moment. 
Think for a moment of you just sitting here this morning listening to me. How many times were you right here in this moment presently or your mind just continually going here and here and here and having to bring yourself back here? We need to learn. It's a practice that we learn. Mindfulness is. Number four, care practices to tend to our thoughts and emotions. We're all made differently and uniquely in the ways that we think, our patterns of thinking. We're all made differently in our our level of emotion, how we respond to the world, how we react to the world. But we all have emotions. We all have difficult emotions, and we all have difficult thought patterns. And we need to learn in the uniqueness of of how God has made us what works for us. And then we need to begin to implement that on a regular basis. Care practices for tending to what's happening on the inside of us. No one, not one of us, is exempt from this. And number five, we need community support. We need one another. You need a community in your life, no matter how small or how large it is. Doesn't matter. But you need a community of people of faith that will uphold you when you are down, that will pray for you, that will encourage you, that will hold you accountable, that will challenge you. You don't need people that just affirm you. You need people who will challenge you and who will push you towards Christ. If you have people that you are spending more time with that push you away from Christ, you need to evaluate how much time is going into that. Doesn't mean you need to X them out of your life. We are in this world, okay? You don't need to like push people that are not or do not know Christ or are not in relationship. You don't push them out. You need those people in your life. But if you are spending more time with them and you are realizing how much they are pushing you away, then you need to sit and assess that and evaluate that and make some decisions about it. We need a community of support. In conclusion, I want to remind you of the words of Jesus in Matthew because I think you know, in all this that we need to learn and growing in resilience and growing in endurance, we need to be reminded of the words of Jesus every day. And if you think, you know, as I'm talking this morning and you're thinking, man, you're talking about the way of Christ and you're talking about conforming to the pattern of Christ and the kingdom of God rather than this world, and I'm not exactly sure what that means. I don't know exactly what that looks like. Then I encourage you to dig in to the gospels, to dig into the stories of Jesus the way that Jesus walked, the way that Jesus talked, the way that Jesus lived his life, the way that Jesus related to other people. you got to get into scripture and read about who Jesus was and who Jesus is. I understand if you think, you know, I'm not really actually sure. You know, I grew up in church, and it wasn't until my young adult years that I stopped looking at Christ. I stopped looking at, like, my view of God through the lens of my family system and through the lens of my church system that I grew up in. And I opened, truly opened scripture myself and said, I'm putting all of that aside and I'm just going to read the gospels. And I'm going to spend a lot of time looking at Jesus. And I spent years just looking at Jesus, not considering doctrine, not considering other people's theology, just looking at the scriptures. And then I slowly begin to introduce some of those things back again. So if you've grown up in church and you still think, what is wrong with me that I still feel like I can't wrap my mind around what the kingdom of God is, that's okay because that's what happens sometimes. As we grow up in faith, we become, you know, kind of dependent on the system rather than dependent on actual scripture through the power of God.
understanding who Christ is. So as Brad, Brad uh, or Steve, whoever's doing sound this morning, I'm going to have you go ahead and just play some soft music in the background. And I want to invite you just to kind of as much as you can to center yourself as I read the scripture to you from Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. And Jesus, Jesus' words says this, That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. For your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for his wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, He will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So so don't you worry about these things saying, what will we eat and what will we drink and what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Jesus spent his time on earth bringing people back to love, back to belonging, back to what was most important, teaching them how to live. Jesus is seen always drawing near, redirecting our hearts back on focus, his Father's kingdom, God's kingdom, not this world's. We get so wrapped up in the concerns of important things, but it weighs on us and it overwhelms us. And Jesus invites us to come and find rest. It's the remembrance that Jesus is the great shepherd who knows his sheep, who knows what we need, who offers rest and offers belonging and safety. Jesus knows our humanity. In scripture, it says that he remembers that we are like dust, that we're fragile. Our fragility will cause us to worry. And here in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is reminding us, seek my kingdom first. Seek me above all else. Everything will be added. Deal with each challenge, he says, as they come, one day at a time. Even the challenge of our inner world and all the ways that we know we feel we need to transform, he says, deal with each challenge one at a time. Each way that you feel you need to transform, you know you need to transform. Each area that you know needs surrendering, incrementally, one challenge at a time.
we can lean into the strength of Christ and the grace and the power that sustains us in our weakness. We can trust in God, that he is good and that he is stable and secure in the pressures of this life, that we can find contentment, that he'll change the way that we think and the way that we see and view the world, that we can be transformed more to the pattern of Christ than the pattern of this world. So I wanna invite you in these final few moments to choose just one area to spend a few moments of prayer in. What are the areas that you are seeing growth in? Areas that you see fruit in those those elements that I talked about. Maybe it's a level of self-awareness and understanding who you are in Christ and your true self in Christ. Maybe you're growing in those areas, uh, area of spiritual rhythms. You've, you know, you've seen growth and fruit as you've been getting to make uh, choices each day to spend time in God's word and in prayer. Maybe it's mindfulness, this idea of living in the presence and you, you present and you've seen growth and fruit from that. Tending to your thoughts and emotions, maybe for the first time in your life in this season, you're seeing growth because you have taken the time and you continue to take the time to deal with that, those inner places. Maybe it's the, the growth and fruit of reaching out to others, that you're proud of yourself because you used to pull back and, and stay a little isolated and not ask for help, but you've seen the ways that you've grown because you've started reaching out, asking for prayer or asking to connect or asking for encouragement and counsel when you know you need it. What are those areas that you're growing and you see fruit? Let's celebrate those areas. We need to see the fruit that God is developing in our lives. If we only see all the areas that we need to grow, we become overwhelmed in that way. That's the, again, pattern of the world is just to focus on all the ways that we need to fix ourselves or all the ways that we're not good enough. But God is reminding you today that you are growing, that he's developing fruit in your life, that you are not the same person that you were yesterday or five months ago or five years ago or 10, 20 years ago. God is doing a great work in your life and we need to celebrate that. And then you take time to give God gratitude for that. Thanksgiving. God, you've been so faithful. You've been so good. I can't believe where I am now to where I was before. The different choices that I make, the different way that I see myself and others and you. God, you have done so much. You are so good. You have been present with me always. And that gratitude that we have and that worship that we express in the ways that we see him growing us and changing us, that gratitude builds more resilience and more strength and endurance. And then we ask ourselves, maybe the harder question, in what ways do I need to grow? What area, even just in looking at these five this morning, zeroing it in and narrowing it in, in these five areas, what's one area? Not all five, not four, not three, not two. What's one area that even this week, I can make some intentional decisions to address this area? I want you to spend a moment to reflect on that, to talk with God about it, maybe journal if you enjoy doing that. And then I'll come back and I'll pray in just a moment.
Father, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for the way that it challenges us, but it also comforts us. God, I thank you that you are present with us always. That in our belonging with you, Father, that we can remain anchored in the storms and the pressures of this life. God, I thank you that your ways are not our ways. That the kingdom of God is greater than the kingdom of this world. Yet, God, we recognize today that the kingdom of this world is inherent, God, in our nature woven into the ways that we grew up, woven into culture, woven into society, and woven into the impact that it makes upon us every single day. There is a war, God, often in our, our hearts, our flesh, our spirit, to answer that call to conform to the kingdom of God, to, to attach to your way and your, your heart because we know it is good and we know that it is content and we know that it's peace and it's love. God, help us to acknowledge the ways that we are more drawn to operating like this world, of having a worldview that is consumed by the world rather than consumed by you, God. Speak to each of us individually in the way that we need as your daughter, as your son. God, we know that you are faithful to empower us, that it's not in our own resources or in our own might, but it's through the power of the Holy Spirit in us. Christ Jesus, that you empower us, Father. We're not alone in this. We're not alone in the transformation, but we do have a part to play. So God, help each of us see what we need for our own lives. And God, may we be willing to surrender it, to move into the heart of it, and know that you're going to be there to meet us, empower us, and strengthen us. God, bless your people today, Father. Encourage them. May they see the ways that you have already been transforming them. May they see the fruit that you've already been developing in them, in them God. And may they be encouraged by that. And through it all, may we learn to trust you more, God. Amen and amen.